Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome. Welcome to Essex Church, where this, our gathered community of Kensington Unitarians, meets each Sunday for worship, as well as other activities during the week. Welcome to those of you who are new to this place, or maybe to Unitarian worship. Welcome to those of you who are here most weeks, and welcome to our regular visitors through the years. Um, some of you may be aware that there is a, a major diversion going on with the road outside, and there's a, a great traffic jam, I've heard, from several people who are stuck in it and are now um, enjoying a virtual connection with our uh, worship this morning. Um, so come on in, everybody. I'm just uh, starting to explain that there's a mighty traffic jam out there and that people will be coming in throughout the service that can often be a bit frustrating for those of us who, who were here earlier, but let's accept that people have had quite tricky journeys this morning and welcome them in as they arrive. Because we've all taken, haven't we, our own different paths to arrive here today. We are Unitarians, and Unitarians are also free not only to choose our own mode of transport, but our, our own path of faith. We're not identified by fixed beliefs, because for many of us, our beliefs are changing and developing in response to life. But I think what does identify us as a community is a responsible search for meaning and purpose, an emphasis on healthy values to guide us in life, and a commitment to make ours a more just world. And so I invite those of you who've managed to get here already to just take a breath to tell yourself that you're here, you've arrived. Be focused and present. Allow the latecomers to enter as we relax, knowing that we are truly welcomed for just who we are. And may this hour that we're going to spend together help us all in our different ways as we perhaps sense our part in something greater than ourselves. For whatever our faith, whatever our beliefs, we're part of that great stream of life itself, flowing, moving, ever onwards together. And I think Joe's family are coming to light our chalice this morning. Flames give light and warmth. May the light and the warmth of this chalice flame, symbol of our worldwide Unitarian community, may it help us to still our minds, to soften our hearts, ease our bodies, and inspire our spirits such that we may better experience the gift of aliveness and the wonder and the mystery of existence this morning. Thank you, all of you. So this morning's interesting statistic in a survey conducted by Travel Lodge, the, a chain of hotels, um, it was revealed that 35% of British adults still sleep with a teddy bear or similar cuddly comfort object. I am not going to embarrass you by asking for any kind of show of hands to see if Kensington Unitarians are in line with this national average. But it means that probably there are at least some of us, aged though we may be, who know the joy of cuddling up with a soft toy or a warm blanket. 
Years ago, I remember reading of an experiment carried out on an orphaned baby chimpanzee where it was given the choice between a feeding frame made of metal, which gave it all the milk and nutrients it needed, or a soft, furry frame that had no food to give whatsoever. A baby chimp will apparently choose something soft and comforting to cuddle up to rather than a source of food. Listen to this lovely description of what it is like to have a favourite toy. This is from A.A. Milne's uh, Winnie the Pooh. Piglet is so small that he slips into a pocket where it is very comfortable to feel him when you are not quite sure whether twice seven is twelve or twenty-two. And these cuddly toys can help us humans through life's transitions. And I wonder, it'll be interesting to hear over a slice of Jane's birthday cake later on, um, if you had any favourite toys when you were young or even now. Here's a description of one from The Velveteen Rabbit. I don't know if you know that book by Marjorie Williams. The skin horse, she writes, had lived in the nursery longer than any of the others, and he was so old that his brown coat was bald in patches and showed the seams underneath, and most of the hairs in his tail had been pulled out to string bead necklaces. He was wise, and he'd seen a long succession of mechanical toys arrive to boast and swagger and by and by break their mainsprings and pass away. And he knew that they were only toys and that they'd never turn into anything else. For nursery magic is strange and wonderful. And only those playthings that are old and wise and experienced, like the skin horse, understand all about it. What is real? asked the rabbit one day when they were lying side by side near the nursery fender before Nana came to tidy the room. Does it mean having things that buzz inside you and a stick-out handle? Our real isn't how you made, said the skin horse. It's a thing that happens to you when a child loves you for a long, long time, not just to play with, but really loves you, then you become real. And, and does becoming real happen all at once, like being wound up, asked the rabbit, or does it happen just bit by bit? Oh, no, it doesn't happen all at once, said the skin horse. You become. It takes a long time. And that's why it doesn't happen often to toys who break easily or have sharp edges or who have to be carefully kept. Generally, by the time you are real, most of your hair has been loved off and your eyes drop out and you get loose in the joints and very shabby. But then these things don't matter at all because once you are real, you can't be ugly except to people who don't understand. I suppose you are real, said the rabbit. And then he wished he hadn't said it, for he thought the skin horse might be sensitive. But the skin horse only smiled. The boy's uncle made me real, he said, and that was a great many years ago. But once you are real, you can't become unreal again. It lasts for always. And that's the story of the skin horse from the velveteen rabbit. This next reading is from the World Religions Bible, which is a marvellous collection. And this is Lao Tzu, the um, founder, it's sometimes said, of Taoism, writing about paradox. Lao Tzu wrote about the paradoxes in the human condition. 
In order to be whole, you must be broken. In order to be straight, you must be twisted. In order to be full, you must be empty. In order to be renewed, you must be worn out. In order to gain much, you must have little. In order to understand the truth, you must be confused about facts. In order to be above suspicion, you must never justify yourself. In order to be honoured, you must never seek praise. In order to win, you must never complete. When grand ambitions come to nothing, generosity and gentleness can take their place. When scholarship is given undue respect, hypocrisy flourishes. When members of a family bicker, this will cheer you all, it is a sign of their love. When members of a society engage in heated debates about how that society should be organised, it's a sign of their commitment. Goodness is like water. Since water benefits everything, it competes with nothing. It even finds its way to the lowest and most filthy places. Accept what is and know what endures. With that acceptance and that knowledge, your mind will be at peace. Without it, your mind will be in turmoil. To have without possessing, to act without claiming credit, to lead without controlling, these are the mysterious virtues of the way. So said Lao Tzu. Okay, only people of a certain age and who were brought up in England will remember the opening words of a radio programme called Listen with Mother. Are you sitting comfortably? Then I'll begin. And it was said in that very English kind of voice of the 1950s that has miraculously seemed to disappear from our society now. Even the Queen doesn't sound the same as she did. Um, a quick flick through any weekend colour supplement with your weekend newspapers shows just how value I think we, how much we value comfort. The seemingly always a search going on for a, the most comfy chair or sofa or bed or pillow. We could define comfort as, a, as perhaps a feeling of contentment, a sense of coziness, or a, a state of physical and mental well-being. Ministry students are taught an old saying, and apparently this was originally used to describe the task of journalists, to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. <laughs> we all need to be comforted, don't we, in our times of distress, and we also all need, I think, to be shaken up when complacency or a stuck-in-the-rut habitual way of thinking and being takes a hold of us. So in this address, I'm exploring the obvious, that both comfort and discomfort can be valuable to us. These bodies of ours, they're quite relentless, aren't they, in their giving of feedback to us about our levels of comfort or discomfort? I'm hungry, or I'm too full. I'm hot, or I'm cold. I'm feeling irritable, or I'm completely chilled out. Bodies are the best sources of information that we have about our lives. 
And yet, too many of us, I think, learn over the years to ignore them or override them, or we're frightened of the messages that our bodies bring us. Most of us, I think, need to redevelop a relationship with our physical selves so that we notice and respond to minor aches and pains, as well as sources of pleasure, exploring their messages rather than suppressing them, resting when we're tired, taking exercise when we're restless, learning to monitor lovingly all the substances we use to perk ourselves up or to sedate ourselves. Because when we reach for that dot, 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 and I'm leaving the gap here for you to fill in your own substance of choice, your own chosen addiction, we're generally seeking comfort. We want to soothe ourselves. And chocolate, or a packet of crisps, or a glass or two of wine, they've become ways of regulating ourselves, of calming an agitated mind, perhaps, or galvanizing a weary body for another couple of hours on the computer. And there's nothing wrong with this, except when our habits become stuck or unconscious, when that which we sought as a help has become our hindrance, that's when we need to develop that art of healthy and conscious self-soothing. Developing ways in, in ourselves of acknowledging and then regulating how we feel. And I think that's a really important task for us all. One way we can develop that is in relationship with others. Listen to these lovely words. They, they're often um, attributed to author George Eliot, but actually they were written by someone called Dinah Craig. Oh, she writes, oh, the blessing it is to have a friend to whom one can speak fearlessly on any subject, with whom one's deepest as well as one's most foolish thoughts come out simply and safely. Oh, that comfort, the inexpressible comfort of feeling safe with another person. Having neither to weigh thoughts nor measure words, but pouring them all out, right out, just as they are, chaff and grain together, certain that a faithful hand will take and sift them, keep what is worth keeping, and then with the breath of kindness, just blow the rest away. Words from Dinah Craig. Through a relationship with others, we can be comforted and we can comfort one of life's greatest gifts. And of course, we can develop that relatedness with ourselves as well. But in that delightfully paradoxical way in life that we heard described by Lao Tzu earlier on, when you relate deeply, be that with yourself or with others, source of comfort though that often is, what also can emerge is a willingness to accept discomfort because it's a good friend indeed who can tell us the painful truth. Sarah, that shirt just doesn't suit you. You need to think about a new job or get out of that rut that you're stuck in, whatever it is. And of course, we can't just rely on our friends to do that pushing for us. We need to push ourselves onwards too, because striving is what it is to be human. And what, let's just have a look here. What is it then that we're seeking? Once our basic needs are met for food and shelter and companionship, well, I think what we're seeking as humans is meaning, 
truth, fulfillment, these elusive yet compelling qualities that help us to make sense of ourselves and our world. And let's be honest, this kind of search isn't always a comfortable one. Consider again words from Lao Tzu. A scholar who cherishes the love of comfort is not fit to be deemed a scholar, he says, in that way that only he can uh, deliver the words. But then more recently, C.S. Lewis, a 20th century author, writes, If you look for truth, you may find comfort in the end. But if you look for comfort, you'll not get either comfort or truth, only soft soap and wishful thinking to begin with, and in the end, despair. Perhaps a bit gloomy, C.S. Lewis, but I guess we know what he means. If we think about religious faith, of course it can be a source of great comfort, can't it, in a very uncomfortable world. That's where... Those, those words that we were going to hear earlier on, comfort ye my people from the uh, prophet Isaiah. That's the kind of comfort that religion can bring. But as Unitarians, as seekers of truth, we probably want more from religion than a great big comfort blanket that tells us that we're all right, that our faith is right and that we're all going to live happily ever after. There's a time and a place for that kind of religion, but that restless seeking in us pushes us onwards to a less comfortable place. We're like the skin horse and the velveteen rabbit. We know that life is real. And we're not alone in that search for a real spirituality that tells it like it is, a spirituality that nudges us out of comfort zones rather than keeping us stuck in them. Asked why he was drawn to the teachings of the rabbis from centuries ago, and I think this quotation's on your order of service sheet inside, Rabbi Rami Shapiro said, The rabbis that I read and the way I read them continually pull the religious rug out from under me. I incline, he says, towards comfort and stability. But spirituality at its best is discomforting and wild. Reality isn't stable. Tomorrow isn't stable. Life isn't comforting. Authentic spirituality, the crazy wisdom of rabbis and roshis and poets and saints who dare to step out of the box of conventional wisdom and live without a net, that helps us, that kind of authentic spirituality, to navigate the wildness of life with grace, with humour and with love. And so... I think that the task for us as individuals and as this religious community is just to keep checking our comfort levels and to find ways to use both comfort and discomfort to help us grow and develop, discerning when it's time to hold on to that security blanket and when to leave it behind as we move onwards to life's new possibilities. And yes, it is still okay to have a cup of tea or coffee and a slice of cake or a chocolate biscuit after the service today. <laughs> Amen. And so, may our week ahead be filled with the comfort we yearn for and the discomfort we need. That wounds might be healed and potentials reached. Singers of the songs that the Spirit longs to sing. Amen. Go well and blessed be.